Welcome back to Hurdle. My name's Emily Abadi. I'm the one with this raspy voice. Dear God, I feel like I'm losing it. (laughs) I'm bringing you this podcast week after week that checks in with badass humans who got through a tough time in their life, a hurdle of sorts, by leaning into wellness. On today's episode, I sit down with Adam Callen, the founder of a shop called Jane Motorcycles based out of Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Now, Jane's more than just a shop to buy custom motorcycles. It's also a cafe toting really delicious coffee and also really, really cool apparel. Quick thanks to the sponsor of today's episode, Ultra. Have your knees ever totally killed you after a few miles? And isn't that the worst? Well, then maybe Ultra sneakers are the solution that you've been looking for. Seriously, I mean it. With their zero drop design, which means the heel and the forefoot are the same distance away from the ground, Ultra sneakers promote all around better running form and can reduce impact by three to five times. Yes please. Again, the brand is called Ultra, A-L-T-R-A. You can find them at ultrarunning.com. Before I get into the swing of things here with Adam, a little housekeeping to do. If you haven't done so yet, please make sure to rate and review this podcast in the Apple iTunes store. Do it right now. Give me a shout. Let me know what you love, who you want to see on the podcast, all the things. Also, click on over to hurdle.us slash featured, where you can enter your email address to stay in the loop with my newsletter. I don't mean to toot my own horn or anything, but in it, you'll find some pretty cool things, guys. Answers to listener emails, inspirational tidbits from my guests, some things that I'm really digging right now, that sort of stuff. Last but not least, in today's episode, Adam talks about his battle overcoming drug addiction, which means that some of the material to come is sensitive in nature. If you or someone you know is struggling with drug use, know that you are not alone. There are so many resources out there for you, especially online. Take a look at recovery.org or drugabuse.com for some more info. And with that, well, let's get to hurdling. I'm sitting here today with Adam Callen, today's guest. He's the co-founder of Jane Motorcycles. He's a designer and also an entrepreneur. Adam, I'm so happy to have you here today. Hey, how are you? It's so I, good to be here. I'm so good. I'm so much better now that we're sitting in this recording studio in WeWork. This place is awesome. I feel <laughs> I feel real legit right now. I feel like we're like doing doing the real thing. I, I still didn't get my hair or my makeup, but I'm gonna be okay with it. I'm you know what, I think you look pretty good today. Good. First and foremost, Adam, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Hey, so yeah, Adam here. Uh, I am the co-founder of J Motorcycles, born and raised in Los Angeles. J Motorcycles is a men's clothing company, a custom motorcycle company, and we have a full cafe. So we do three things, motorcycles, clothing, and coffee. Sounds kind of crazy, but it works. And uh, that's where I've been putting all my efforts into for the last four years. So uh, you, and that's in Brooklyn, in Williamsburg. Yep. Um, A long way away from Los Angeles. How did you end up here? Uh, It's a good question. So in a prior career, I was working in fashion technology, and I was flying back and forth from Los Angeles to New York a lot. 
Um, and my my old company asked me if I would move to New York, and they offered me a really great package, and I took that opportunity to move to New York and, and launch our New York office, and which is what I did for a year. It was great, but I was not totally fulfilled in what I wanted to do, and I always had a fantasy and you know desire of opening up my own gig, and so I did that for a year, and then I met my current partner, and we opened up Jane. Awesome. Yeah. So um, along the way, obviously, a few bumps in the road, hurdles, if you will. Why don't we um, kind of rewind a little bit and go back in time uh, to when you may not have been at the place where you were ready to start your own company? Uh, Yeah, for sure. I don't know why, but I, I always had this sense of I was different than everybody else. I had this feeling that you had this world figured out. And I didn't have the blueprint for what was happening. And what that meant was I would do whatever it took to make you think that I was doing good. Mm. Um, I would, it's a form of people pleasing. Um, I would tell you lies to make you think that I was good. Even if my heart was crushed, if I was in a really bad mood, if you came to me and said, hey, Adam, how are you? And I was in a horrible mood. I would say, I'm doing great. (laughs) <laughs> and I have a smile on my face. And, you know, that's all that mattered to me is that you thought I was doing good. I think a lot of, a lot of people a lot of people do that, man. A, a lot of people do do that. But for me, it manifested in a lot of, you know, character defects. Um, what were some of those, you think? Uh, lying, for, for one. Dishonesty was a big one for me. Um, stealing. Cheating. I became a liar, a thief, a cheat, all at the expense of making you think that I was doing well. I used, I also had a, a speech impediment. I used to not be able to pr- pronounce my R's correctly. Okay. Uh, they would be, they would sound like W's. So it'd be like, oh, that wabbit, we're going hunting wabbits. I, I sounded like Elmer Fudd. You know, you, it's funny, but like as a kid, it, it, it made me feel different than everybody else. And I always had that feeling that I was different from you no matter what. And um, so I always had this, this, this thing in me that like I didn't get it. And everybody else got this kind of like table of contents for life. A big thing that happened to me was my parents got divorced when I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. My mom, my sister and myself, we went from living in a comfortable, you know, middle class neighborhood to a um, somewhat of a dangerous uh lower class environment. Um, and this by, is in California? This was in California, in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. Um, and the thing is, um, so we moved from like, you know, the house to the really bad kind of apartment in like kind of almost like a ghetto. And um, the, the problem was I kept all of my rich friends. So I had all my rich friends and I was the poor kid mm. keeping up with all the rich friends. And so that meant I had to, my, my people pleasing skills had to be turned on overdrive. Um, I had to make sure that they knew that I had all the things like they had the, the trips, the clothes, the toys, the, the, the family, you know, like the, the, all the things. And I, I couldn't bear for them to know that I didn't have that. So I would, like I said, I would go to my friend's house. I would like steal their clothes. I'd say, oh, I'm going to let me just borrow this T-shirt. And then I would like never with all intention of never returning it. Um, and that was just that was just a thing that I did. Like I, I, I lost all integrity at a certain point. Fast forward to I went to law school. I, I did great in college. Um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, 
And what I thought society told me to do would be, oh, go to law school. It's a great education. You'll love it. Um, you know, you, it can't hurt. Um, so I did that once again, following like the people pleasing kind of thing. And law school was a completely different environment for me. College was fun and easy. And I totally was able to kind of uh, handle it with a breeze. Law school was competitive, vicious, hard. Uh, they made you stand in the, in a group of like, a hundred people and 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 give them your opinions and and it was it was it was hard for me. Um, I think it's hard for everyone. It, yeah, as it should be. <laughs> I'm not trying to say that it's not. It, it, it should be, but I it was something I had never experienced or even thought that it was going to be like that. Of course. And um, you find your you find your tribe in law school, and I found a couple guys that were um, studying one night, and they're like, "Hey, try this stuff." And so it was a, uh, it was crystal meth. Mm. I did it. And this white light kind of turned on in my head and I was like, oh my God, this is this is this is my medicine. This is a thing that's gonna make life fantastic for me. It uh it made me focus, something that I had a hard time doing for my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um it made me funny, it made me creative, it made me smart, it made you guys laugh at me. It did all of the things that I always wanted to do um naturally, but I needed that as as kind of a crutch. So I told myself, I'm like, there will never be a day where I'm not going to have this on me. Um, and it worked. It worked for a long time. Um, Were you paranoid no, carrying that around with not, you? Um, later down the line, yes, for sure. Um, law school was a mess. Like law school, was, I was never destined to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, I graduated law school by the skin of my teeth. Um, and I had multiple careers. I, I was working in the entertainment industry. I was working for a talent agency. And then I decided to... Um, did you take the bar? I took the bar and I was not sober at all for the bar. And I did not pass the bar. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a low point for me as well. Um, I can imagine. I mean, I've had so many friends. Three of my closest, dearest friends are all lawyers. And that, that time period of studying for it, nevertheless, the actual taking of the exam. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't, it wasn't in my, it wasn't in my heart. I didn't, I didn't feel it in my bones that I really wanted to be a lawyer. So I'm not making excuses. I was not, you know, it was, it just wasn't, it wasn't meant to be. I decide to follow my creative passions, um, something that kind of was spurred in me from a kid being poor and not having any money and making my own clothes and do, and getting creative. And I started my own clothing company. Um, and it was fantastic. And I had, who were these clothes for? It was it was for men and women. It was a, a, a clothing company called Material Junkie. Um, it was back how many years ago? God, it has to be like 15 years ago um, where it, it was like during when everybody was wearing truckers and like, you know, it was like a very kind of streetwear type thing and a lot of DJs and uh, had every celebrity in L.A. wearing it. It was super fun. I had great success with it. And the problem with that was that's when I got really heavy into my drug addiction. So I was writing orders all over the world. I was, you know, working with Japan and London and New York and all like the places that I wanted to be in. And my my drug addiction was taking up. I associated the two as if you do drugs, you're going to be successful. And how old are you at this point? I am in my late 20s. Got it. Yeah, I'm in my late 20s. I thought I had, you know the world by its tail. The problem is the drugs stopped working. But my addiction did not stop working. So what it, what that what that looks like is I really stopped caring so much about my business. I really stopped caring so much about 
paying my bills. I stopped caring about, um, you know, my friendships, my relationships, and all I want to do is get high. Um, and it gets dark. You know, I, I uh, you know, got kicked out of my house because I didn't pay my bills. I ended up moving in with my dad, who rightfully so eventually kicked me out as well. Um, and I ended up living in my car. I was homeless. And I thought I was still killing the game. You know, I thought I was like, oh, I'm this artist. I'm going to be great. Like, I'm going to have this. I'm going to overcome this whole story. But the fact of the matter is I was just a scared little boy with no kind of skills for life at that point. That's where we, we you know, have the hurdle. That's the hurdle. That's the hurdle. OK, so um, so how does one how does one first of all. You obviously are getting to the point where you're aware that this is problematic. Where is the turning point that you understand you need to do something about it? I, I, I saw the writing on the wall. I saw that I had a problem. I saw that this was not going in a direction that I wanted it to go. The fact of the matter is I was living in my car and my car got repossessed. <laughs> so my basically my house was my which was in foreclosure so to speak and I finally would told my parents that I needed help and they had been trying to get me help for a while they saw you know what I was doing with my life and I had been dodging them and uh, making excuses and they they finally uh, jumped on the opportunity to ha- to help me because I asked for help and I uh, put me in a rehab um, where was the rehab the rehab was in a place in Culver City California. It was not one of those rehabs you think there was like, you know, fancy rehabs with with room service. I mean, this was this was a bare bones, smash your ego type of rehab, um, really humbling experience. Um, and it was the greatest thing that ever could have happened to me. I needed that humbling. And the funny thing is, when you go to rehab, they take you to these AA meetings um, and they take in L.A. where this was. They took me they take you to these big AA meetings with thousands of people Um, and I actually ran into people that I knew growing up that I did not know were sober that had amazing successful careers that had the lights on in their eyes and I respected and I didn't know that they were sober and I was like wow these people are sober maybe I can give this a chance and the thing that I couldn't tell you what I heard or what they said at my meeting initial meetings I was so out of my mind but I do remember laughter like real belly kind of aching laughter and I laughed and I hadn't laughed in 10 years so that was like the moment where I was like okay I can do this I'm gonna do this it's not pretty I'm in my like early at this point I'm in my early 30s and it's 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 not a pretty situation so I did what they told me to do I got I got a sponsor I you know worked the steps and you said that this in our in our talks previously is kind of about the time that when you started to invest in yourself and you started maybe even to work out a little bit and think about being a little bit more mindful. Absolutely. But um, I had let my you know self slip and, you know, I was eating horribly. I was eating fast food every day. I was drinking Slurpees every day. I was I was totally out of it. The question really quickly, though, is what flavor Slurpee? Coca-Cola. Only. Oh, Coke only. <laughs> Coke only. Anybody that does anything else is disgusting. <laughs> I realized that I really needed to kind of make a change. Um, I was smoking a lot. I was smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. I was uh, eating horribly. Um, I I probably gained, I was like probably 40, 50 pounds heavier than I am today. Um, And I I realized that, you know, 
I had to get back into the gym. I had to start running. I had to do, like start doing all the things that I loved. But the main thing for me was surfing. I grew up in LA. Surfing was what was kind of is and was and still is my 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 spiritual practice. Um, there's something about surfing for me that everything in the world is right when I'm when I'm out there and I'm you know you're working out and you're kind of paddling and it's a, and it's a it's a it's a good athletic um, experience but it helps me focus it helps me kind of hone myself not only in the water but outside of water uh, you know with my relationships with my business with my with my fiance like all is well in the world if I can get a good surfing and did you feel that way from the get-go with surfing or was that kind of a relationship that you built um from the get-go uh you know surfing is one of those is one of those sports that it's the learning curve is not easy um it it, it's not like skateboarding or or snowboarding where you kind of can figure it out in a day or two so like it's a struggle at first and it it took me a while once i hadn't surfed in a while and once i got back into it it got i was frustrated a little bit but um i've never i've never had a day of surfing at the end and told myself wow i wish i wish i really didn't do that and i think that's interesting that surfing has kind of been your go-to because if you think about it the waves and getting knocked down and getting knocked down so many times up until this point where you really dove into surfing you were constantly getting knocked down i was totally getting knocked down that's a great that's a great way to look at it and there's no there's no route there's no kind of um, course it's mother nature you versus mother nature so you have to read the environment and you every wave is different and it's a, it's a great analogy for life Taking a break quickly to give the sponsor of today's episode, Ultra, a little bit of love. I had the chance to sit down with one of the brand's co-founders, Golden Harbor, a few weeks ago in Park City, Utah. And the craziest thing I got from our conversation, aside from the fact that Harper actually currently holds the Guinness World Record for the fastest marathon at age 12, seriously, (laughs) is that he actually made the first pair of Ultras using a toaster. Through this crazy science project in his kitchen, Harper was able to create something really special and jumpstart a rapidly successful shoe line that's helping people run injury-free and also winning awards like crazy. Last summer, a shoe called the Escalante, which I really can't praise enough. It's one of my go-tos in my rotation for sprint work. I love wearing it when I want to feel super fast. It won the Runner's World Editor's Choice. Again, it's ultra shoes. Give them a look-see at ultrarunning.com. That's A-L-T-R-A running.com. Okay, so we're back here and we're sitting with Adam Callen. Adam's talking to me about how through surfing, he was able to find himself a little bit after battling addiction and coming out of rehab. The next thing that happens for you at this point, as uh, I think we can assume, is that you're thinking about going to New York. Yeah. So I, I moved to New York. Like I said earlier, I, I launched this this New York office for the my old previous employer, which was great. And it was a great experience. And uh, I met my current business partner when I first moved here. 
And it's funny because he actually wanted to work for me. And I told him that I was leaving. Um, I wanted to start my own thing. And he actually pitched me on this idea of uh, opening up this motorcycle shop. And I was like... At this point, had you ever ridden a motorcycle before? Yeah, I had ridden motorcycles before, but I was not by any stretch of imagination uh, like a hardcore motorcycle rider. <laughs> and I hadn't ridden in a long, long time. I just I rode dirt bikes as a kid. I told him that, get me on a motorcycle. Let's see how it goes. If 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 I like it um, and I don't kill myself, um, let's do this. We I knew that there had to be a fashion, a clothing design element to it, and I hated how motorcycle clothing looked like. It looked like everybody looks like a stormtrooper from Star Wars. It looks like it, it, all super technical, and I just didn't identify with it. So I told him that if we're going to do this, we're going to make this our clothing company, and we're going to make something that you can wear on the motorcycle, but it's is you know well designed, well crafted, um, well produced, um, and it doesn't necessarily look like you're riding a motorcycle. All right, and so you. Uh like your motorcycle experience because you're sitting here and then you are the co-founder of J Motorcycles. It it, it, it worked. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it was definitely, it was a fun experience. Um, in fact, we, you know, I started like riding right around this part of the neighborhood. My, my partner lived in Chelsea at the time. And by within 20 minutes, we were up, we were riding up and down the West Side Highway through the FDR. And I, I took to it right away and I was like, okay, this is it. We're going to do this. So you did it. Yeah. And so now um, Jane is looking into its second location. And we definitely want to uh, expand to um, more more stores. Um, me being from Los Angeles, it makes sense to open up an L.A. store, um, not only because I have roots there and I have a lot of uh, contacts there, but the weather is nicer <laughs> there. Well, I was going to say, with your decision to, to move to New York, I mean, like, were you amped to get out east and go to the Hamptons and Montauk? I mean, where's the surfing here? There, It's <laughs> funny. The surfing in, in New York is, can be challenging. Um, you know, look, today it's snowing. You know, um, uh, you need a car or, or really be... Um, aggressive and take the subway. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll surf in the Rockaways, which is about a 40 minute drive from, from my house. Um, and the surf can be really good, but uh, I do spend a lot of time in Montauk and in the Hamptons for the summer, um, which was really, is really fun. But yeah, it's, uh, it, it can definitely be a challenge uh, living in New York City, just the hustle of getting out. And, and I mean, I'm sure you know, like just getting out and doing things can be a challenge in New York City. Definitely. I mean, especially on on days like today where you wake up and it's pouring rain. And maybe in my case, I have a scheduled workout class at 8 a.m. And the last thing I want to do is leave that apartment and figure out what questionable footwear is right for the occasion. <laughs> it's not the ideal kind of situation. No. No, it's not. But as I'm sure you know, like after you actually get it done, you're super happy with your decision to get out and go. Always, yeah. every single time. Um, so then what does uh, incorporating like wellness and fitness on the regular here in New York City kind of look like for you now? Uh, so like I said, if I can get out and surf as much as possible, that's my number one. Um, that obviously doesn't happen as often as I'd like. I try to at least get into the gym four days a week. Um, I try to get break a sweat, you know, run. I, I start with running and then I start with lifting. I used to do a lot of CrossFit. Um, I'm a CrossFitter. I know you are. We, can um, share, we share this. Yeah, we did. Um, and uh, <laughs> I look, CrossFit was amazing for me. It taught me so many things. The community of CrossFit's incredible. Um, I uh, learned a lot of modalities and movements that I had never known before. 
But uh, I started to get injured in places that I really didn't like getting injured in. And, you know, I'm turning 45 in a month and I just could the healing process was a little slow. So I'm taking a break from CrossFit right now, <laughs> but I'm incorporating all of the, like I said, the modalities, the movements, the lifting, um, a lot of the, the techniques that I've learned into my daily routine. I try to meditate every day. How's that go for you? It's funny because there was a point in my life where I told myself I would never be able to meditate. Um, I've been there. My being, you know, coming from like that ADD kind of like fast brain, constantly moving, telling myself that I couldn't slow down my brain. I, I It was a lie that I told myself that I couldn't meditate. Um, I used to think that you had to be in lotus position, um, sitting on a pillow in the center of a room and super uncomfortable. And if you had a scratch on your nose, you couldn't scratch your nose. And... I also feel like the people at home should know that Adam just moved his hands into like a meditation pose. I'm just sharing that with the world. So you all know you that. guys did miss out on a beautiful lotus pose. <laughs> um, but so I, th- I thought that that was the only way you can meditate. And I, that was wrong. You know, I, I actually downloaded an app called Headspace, which I'm sure you might know of, but it's super helpful for anybody trying to just kind of get started. Um, How long are you going for? I fell off a little bit recently because the app re- somehow deleted all my information. I had to like start over again, which made me really <sighs> upset. But I was going strong for a while. I, I learned that I could just sit on the couch with my feet on the ground and, and, and breathe. Yeah. And check in. And... Look, I don't meditate every day, but I can tell you that the days that I do meditate are 100% better than the days that I don't meditate. And that's a great lesson to take from it. Yeah, for sure. Small wins. That's all. That's all. It just needs to start with some small wins. Exactly. So uh, reflecting a little bit on your experience now as a small business owner, a successful small business owner, what do you kind of take from uh, your experience after rehab and you really kind of hone in on... Uh, the lessons you learned then now, what do you reflect on the most, do you think? What's prevented me from having so many experiences in my life in my prior life was was being afraid to, to take a swing at things. The beginning stages of being a beginner always scared me. Now, I I embrace being a beginner. I embrace the newness of not knowing what is the next step. It's kind of a beautiful thing, not knowing what what to do when when you're starting something new. Um, it can be scary and you're going to fail and you have to be somewhat nimble and you have to make you know moves and evolve and edit and pivot and all of the things that have to happen for you to, to continue to move forward. But if you think you know it all and you're and and that in my opinion is probably the worst thing that you can possibly do. So be open to being a beginner. There's something really beautiful in that. And I mean, I think something else uh, that's important when it comes to beginning is also this concept of procrastination. A lot of people procrastinate beginning because it's so scary. I used to be such a procrastinator. I would literally, I used to not make my bed and I would sit on my couch and think for 20 minutes about not making my bed. And while I could have just gotten up one minute, made my bed and started my day off. And, you know, somebody once told me when I got sober that like a messy bed is a messy head. And it's a stupid little saying, but like whenever I come home and I see that bed that's made, I know that I accomplished something (laughs) and that helps. And, um, you know, for me, procrastinating, um, it's something that I struggle with, but um, I know that every time I just kind of 
get over the fear of doing something, it always works out. Definitely. And I mean, so once you start making the bed in your life, right? then the other things just kind of start to fall. They start, following, they start falling into place. I mean, as you kind of, you get a, you get in a groove, you start to kind of get in a groove. And, you know, for me, my, every day for me is, is different. Every day, being an entrepreneur and, and running a business is, is I'm always going to have something, you know, I don't have like a set schedule, but having somewhat of a, a, a focus for me is, is, is the way to start off my day. What's one thing that you are hoping to accomplish uh, both personally and as an entrepreneur this year? I think personally is really trying to have more human connections with people. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. I'm really about that. Yeah. I really want to like have more opportunities to, 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 to have those deep human interactions with people because I can tend to have a five minute conversation with somebody and think, oh, that's great. I'm ready to move on to the next. But me and you like looking at each other and having a real like common communication and interact is what I'm striving for is to really kind of have that more in with new friends, old friends, with my beautiful fiance, with, you know, my family. I really want to to slow down a little bit. I think slowing down is just like the key terminology there, yeah. especially in the city. Yeah. We're, we're running from point A to point B. We're doing 12 things at once. And, and that's it's too much. It is too much. And, and I can be I've been described as somewhat spastic in the past and somewhat, you know, high energy. And um, for me, I think that's definitely something is to kind of slow it down. Slow it down. Slow it down. I mean, I, I can talk fast. I can move my hands fast. I can do all these things. But I feel that. That, that's that's definitely on the on the list of um, personal. Um, as far as professional, I would like we talked about earlier. Definitely would like to move into hopefully securing a place in Los Angeles. Definitely scaling our business, growing the company, which we're doing every day. Hiring new people, which we're doing this week and and every day. But growing the line and really becoming more of the international clothing company that we we started. We're starting right now. For someone that feels stuck like you did at that point where you felt like you needed to be a people pleaser, what would you say to that kind of person right now? I would say be as authentic as of a person as you can be. Stop worrying about what people think. Look, I still struggle with the fact of like trying to people please people. Um, people please people. Um, that's be a weird. people pleaser. Yeah. I'm still struggling with being a people pleaser. <laughs> yes. Wow. Thank say you. that 10 yeah, times fast. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but I, I would say definitely be your authentic self. And what that means is stop listening to what other people tell you that you should be doing. And I'm not saying to like be a rebel and don't and, and go against authority and be an anarchist, but really like listen to your heart. And I, I wish I could have taken that advice from me a long time ago. And for me, it's someone who, you know, I, I needed to lose everything to kind of really get that lesson. And I hope that that doesn't have to happen to anybody else. But like some people, that's the only way they learn is to really like lose it all to kind of like dig themselves out of kind of like a phoenix rising from the ashes. But I uh, I, I hope that that doesn't happen. I would also say another, another um, lesson that I've learned is be of service to other people as much as possible is to really help somebody else out. So what does that look like for you? For me, it looks it manifests in a lot of ways, but it's like whether it's just just being a good listener, um, helping anybody out um, if they need 
a ride or if they need to be picked up at the airport or just something that that can help their day be a little bit better. Um, we've something that I'm really happy with that I've done recently or not recently that what we created was an AA meeting at Jane Motorcycles. It's a men's meeting every Wednesday night at 4.30. I mean, sorry, 4.30 at 7.30. We have up to like 50 men come wow. every night and it's all entrepreneurs, successful guys. It's, it's men only. And so it's everybody from like successful entrepreneurs, business owners, restaurateurs, uh, designers, to somebody with one day just trying to save their life. And that to me has probably been one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done is to see somebody come in with one day, see what see the kind of group of men that we've kind of put together, um, take them under our wing and have them and see the light turn back on in their eyes. Um, to see them kind of rebuild their lives, to see them get things back with um, their family, their relationships. It's an amazing ripple effect that like I, I, it's it's my one of my proudest things we've ever accomplished. That's outstanding. Yeah. The last thing I kind of want to touch upon and you were talking about it a few minutes back is just this idea of self-doubt. I think that it's really easy when things are uncertain to just doubt yourself. How today do you get past what that looks like? Wow. I mean, it's it can be scary, you know, like self-doubt can be super scary. And one one lesson that I've learned is to do um, the contrary action. Like when you think you shouldn't you're doing something that doesn't make sense, do the opposite. And I know that sounds that, that like that might not make sense. But if I'm in self-doubt. That obviously there's something there that is like within internally that I have to kind of move forward. So I will do the opposite. I, I, if, like, if I'm scared to do a podcast, I'm going to do a podcast. Look at you go. Yeah. And look at you go. I mean, this, <laughs> is, this is an incredible experience that, you, that, that you've decided to do. Like, I don't know if that was, there was like maybe some hurdles with you. I mean, I know there are. But like for you to kind of start this, there might have been some self-doubt. Everybody told us initially that motorcycles and clothing and coffee, you're stupid. What are you doing? Pick one and stick to it. We, we, we had some self-doubt by listening to the professionals telling us that, but we decided to not listen to them. Be our authentic self and, and take a swing at it. Jump in with both feet and do it. That is uh, the kind of advice that I think is a great place to leave off. Adam, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. And chatting with me. Yeah, this has been great. Please take a moment to leave a quick review by clicking the link with the description to this episode. We all face multiple hurdles in life. I want to hear about yours. Reach out to me at emily at hurdle.us. Connect with the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at hurdle podcast. And of course, feel free to stalk me a little bit too at Emily Abati, A-B-B-A-T-E. Adam, how do they find you on social? Um, I'm Adam underscore Jane Moto, or you can also find Jane Motorcycles at Jane Motorcycles. Beautiful thing. Another hurdle conquered. See you guys next time.